Hi, listeners. Welcome to this between episode of the Agile Academic. As I record, it's a few days after Christmas, and for whatever reason, I just feel like writing. Part of that is a natural inclination to reflect this time of year. Part of it is being unable to visit family this holiday, so I'm distracting myself. I'm also baking a lot. Anyway, I was browsing through my currently inactive blog, thinking about ways to reboot and re-engage when I came across a post titled, It's Not About Productivity, It's About Vitality, written in April of 2018. I'm fuzzy on the timeline, but this is around the time where I couldn't hide my depression, anxiety, and ultimately burnout anymore. I see hints of the me I am now in this post, trying to figure out who the me I was then, if that makes any sense. I'd go through a lot of therapy to work through my burnout and the challenges to my identity that it caused. But this vitality post is interesting because I see hints of the work I've just begun to start doing, work on flourishing and resilience. So I thought I'd do a couple of things in this between episode. First, I'm going to share with you the post that I wrote in 2018. Then I'm going to talk a little bit about how my work on burnout has helped me answer some of the questions raised in that post, as well as why I'm interested in the idea of flourishing now as a concept instead of vitality. A quick few notes before I share the post to help you understand some of the language if you're not a Scrum person. Scrum is a project management framework from software development that I share and adapt for work in higher ed in my book, Agile Faculty, Practical Strategies for Managing Research, Service, and Teaching. Scrum is part of a constellation of project management practices known as Agile, which values transparency, adaptability, and people. This is where I get the Agile in the name of the podcast and my side gig. I also mentioned a Scrum board, which is a visual system for managing work in the Scrum Agile process. I'll make links to these in the show notes so that you can follow up and learn a little bit more about Scrum as well. Now on to the post. As I've mentioned before, I'm not always agile. Sometimes my scrum board becomes the place I fear the most. I'll sometimes even leave projects off the board, even though they're taking a lot of my time because I just don't want to add one more thing. Even though I'm committed to the idea that vitality is more important than productivity, I don't always take my own advice. This comes from a few places, I think. First, I'm a natural workaholic. I come by it genetically. I don't know how not to work all the time, whether I like it or not. I do enjoy the academic writing process when I have interesting data or a compelling theory to chase down. I like giving faculty workshops and helping people feel productive and engaged through my agile faculty work. I like creating new things, innovative classes, programs, proposals. But I struggle with getting overly excited about an idea, working it out and proposing it, but then ultimately having to follow through. I'm not a very patient person, so when I have an idea, I dive in and I make it happen, often without thinking about whether I have the time or energy to dedicate to a new project or what it will cost in terms of splitting my focus on other things I'm committed to or created. Six or seven conferences in one year? Sure, I need to promote the book, co-edit a special issue of a journal in an edited collection at the same time, No problem. Can't be that much extra work. Try to write at least five articles about the studio program in one year. Absolutely. Don't want that data to get cold. You can see where this is going. But even more importantly, I think, is that no one ever taught me how to be content, to decide when I have enough going on to maintain a level of work that's sustainable rather than stressful or overwhelming. 
I don't know when to stop working, when to stop adding new ideas to the scrum board, when to relax. Like many of our students, my life has been about building first my transcripts and then my CV, looking smart and capable and respectable. I'm honestly not sure how much of this ethic is about my own drive or something else. Is this drive part of imposter syndrome, some advanced version in which I keep turning up my productivity and output in order to continually prove that I belong in academia and that I deserve respect? Or is it just part of who I am, this drive to do more and more? I suspect I'm not alone in this feeling among higher ed academics. But at this point, I'm more often than not running on stress hormones, even about the projects I'm genuinely excited about. So I need to start taking my own advice. In the first chapter of Agile Faculty, I talk about the narrative of stress many faculty labor under, but also that we can turn that narrative into one of vitality and engagement when we find ways to balance productivity, engagement, creativity, and personal pursuits. Productivity can lead to vitality, but vitality should be a goal all along. Chasing productivity for productivity's sake isn't agile. It's a fast way to burnout, which is documented in the Agile and Scrum values. Making time for self-care and self-honesty helps with vitality and ultimately productivity too. I conclude this post on the blog with a few reader questions. How do you define career and personal vitality? Are you stuck in a productivity trap too? And finally, how do we teach each other and those coming up after us how to be content in our work and when enough is good enough for now? As I look at it now, I think this post is still really about productivity more than vitality because that's who I was when I wrote this. In the post, I'm trying to understand why my world basically revolves around productivity. I even hint at being on the edge of burnout. What do I mean by vitality though? Here are a few paragraphs from my book, Agile Faculty, where I tap the research, and I will add these references to the transcript notes as well. The flip side of the narrative of stress is the narrative of growth, which aligns closely with the 30-year tradition of research on faculty vitality, which is exemplified by Googler's 1991 quote, as a faculty member who, quote, is unremittingly curious, who feels a sincere commitment to both individual and institutional goals, who derives satisfaction from professional endeavors, who manifests behaviors that reflect enthusiasm for intellectual activity, and who looks forward to what the future may bring. End quote. These vital faculty are aware of their own career paths and proactive in determining their goals and acting to achieve them. And their definition of productivity is grounded in teaching and research, but also in intrinsically rewarding and subtler forms of active engagement in the academy. Further describing vital faculty, DeFilippo and Giles in 2015 argue that challenge-seeking, creativity, curiosity, energy, grit, growth mindset, motivation, optimism, and risk-taking, as well as productivity, are all characteristics of the vital faculty mindset. In short, vital faculty are always searching for development opportunities to help them grow as professionals, and they can articulate specific projects that they find to be intrinsically motivating. Even stressful contextual challenges do not necessitate a narrative of constraint. This is a narrative of purpose, commitment, clearly articulated goals, growth, and vitality. You can see from this excerpt from Agile Faculty that my definition of vitality 
five years ago was intimately tied to work and productivity. But after going through burnout, I think vitality is the wrong word. It's the wrong concept. Striving for vitality in the way I framed it in the last book can lead to stress, overwhelm, and exhaustion because the focus is on relentless professional development and productivity. And that's basically what led me to my burnout. I'm coming around to the idea of flourishing instead of vitality. I ran a workshop on flourishing as a teacher for two groups of faculty at my current institution this month. Flourishing is a measure of overall well-being. It focuses on cultivating purpose, personal growth, resilience, and values alignment. Ryan Kern and Desi, in a 2013 article, define it as pleasure that accompanies activities that fulfill human intellectual, social, and productive potentials in good and admirable ways. This is really closely aligned to Aristotle's definition of the good life, and I love some Aristotle. So these definitions touch on productivity, but only as one measure of a good life in the Aristotelian sense. So when do we think about flourishing? And when you think about it, what do you imagine? How would you define flourishing in general? There are lots of theories out there with flourishing and well-being that I link to in the transcript, including self-determination theory, Riff's psychological well-being theory, the Harvard flourishing measure, and the PERMA model from positive psychology. I will link to these, as I said, in the transcript for this episode. In the workshop that I gave, I used the PERMA model, and the PERMA stands for positive emotions, engagement, relationships, meaning, and accomplishment. And some versions will add an H at the end for health. So let's take a minute for reflection. When you think about your work and your life, however you balance or integrate them, where do your activities or times of flow or of rest fall within the PERMA categories? I'm going to give you a minute to reflect and I'll just let the silence play on the audio so you don't have to worry about turning it on and back on. So when you think about your life and your work, however you integrate and balance them, where do your activities, flow times, rest times fall within the PERMA areas? And again, those areas are positive emotions, engagement, relationships, meaning, and accomplishment. Just take a minute. Okay, so coming back out of that reflection, do you see any patterns or surprises in your thoughts? When I reflect on flourishing and how to flourish in the new year, I think about spending more time on relationships and pursuing meaning in my life and work. I think doing that will bring about the other three areas of the PERMA model, 
positive emotions, engagement, and accomplishment. Building, in in some cases, rebuilding relationships, and then focusing on meaning and purpose, which I can definitely see connected to my burnout book launching this year. So thanks for listening and thinking about flourishing with me. More episodes of the Agile Academic Podcast are coming soon, including a few more bonus episodes like this one. Season three will launch in the spring with eight brand new episodes. I have themed the season advocates, and I can't wait for you to meet the women featured. Until then, take care and stay well.